Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. Hello everyone, we're Superhero Stuff You Should Know, and if you think you know about superheroes and comic books, think again. We got romance, we got action, we got comedy, we got everything you need, man. Come on down to Superhero Stuff You Should Know for all your superhero needs. Uh, I, I don't know about this romance, what part are you talking about? We've got all kinds of sketches, and then deep dives on top of that. Come on down to Superhero Stuff You Should Know! All right, so come on down to... Su- Wait, why did I say come on down? To Superhero Stuff You Should Know. everybody we are so close to 400 episodes and we've been saving this one for for a long ass time but the 30 year anniversary of dead alive is here it's january we made it everyone yeah everyone it's okay (laughs) it's okay um but i thought what a good excuse to sit down and watch a movie that i throughout my high school and early college years watched on a regular basis and then probably have not actively put this movie on in over a decade, if not longer. Yeah, I I think the same thing. I was yeah. like, when was the last time I watched this? Because my first note is, well, after the lambaste thing that everybody's been giving me for um, not jizzing my pants over Streets of Fire, I'm like, <laughs> I, I don't even want to touch a classic like Dead Alive. And then, um, and so my first note is like, man, th- th- this is going to be bad because I'm going to be critical of it and because I haven't watched it in like a decade easily. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, 10 minutes in, I'm like, mm, this is a good time. And 20 it- minutes in, I'm like, this is the best decision Matt has ever made for the show. And I was <laughs> yeah. 30 minutes in, I'm like, I hope this never ends. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, you know what? It's it, you so know, good. Yeah. You know what it is? And I was thinking about this because Dead Alive, I think, just got wrapped in to the overall zombie movie exhaustion that oh, we all yeah. experienced for the last mm-hmm. 10 years. Yes. But but the big difference is like this has to be if not the number 1 in the top 3 most innovative and creative variety of zombies. Like they really like go out of their way to make every single one of them look and feel different. Like yeah. there's no rhyme or reason to them. It is because you think about even like I love Return of the Living Dead, and I think Return of the Living Dead is the only other movie that I can even think of that would go into competition of like oh, there's definitively different 
zombies. Like sure, yeah. So many of the other stuff is like they find a zombie look and they work with it, and it's just like a v- different variety of rot. But like right. I wrote down like just in the party scene alone, in the last thir- in the third act of this movie, which is so fun. The third act of this movie is so fun. But oh, you man. have like. A pair of living intestines running around that, that, you, that look at themselves in the face and they're like, mm-hmm, and yeah. they also make fart sounds instead of talk, which I think is <laughs> hilarious. They, you got the 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 body that's attached to a light bulb, so the whole head is mm-hmm. glowing. Yeah. you've got yeah. the person whose face was ripped off, so they're just like a skull. There's the head that was decapitated, so it's got a lar- garden gnome. <laughs> For a head, you're listing. Like, I was already gonna. I was going to ask a favorite. Continue. Finish your thought, but I uh, wanted to hear. I, mean, I wanted to see if anybody all had a of them. All and and for me, like my absolute favorite shot in this movie, my favorite version of any zombie in this movie. I love after the the uncle's killed, and it's this weird, like hunched mm-hmm. over body with this spine sticking up and the head floating on the top. It's like they they really went out of their way of like not only are we going to make. We're going to make a zombie movie, but we're going to, A, throw out all the laws of zombies. Cause oh, yeah. Because headshots don't mean shit in this no, movie no, whatsoever. No. And we're just no. going to, however you get massacred, you are a zombie in that form. I think that the nice thing about this is that it's not a contagion. It's supernatural. Yeah. Uh, and so it's literally like if you are killed by a zombie or scratched by a zombie or whatever i suppose you are going to turn into a zombie like it's as long as you get hit by that dark magic you become a zombie and that's what makes it so much fun it's like that's the only rule there's no other rule for this movie it's hard for me because i gotta i think i have to go with light bulb head lady just because it's just so iconic and then her headlight like burst into flame at a certain point and I also love that this movie is 1993 and since it's New Zealand everything is like a decade behind New York City and so we get everybody dressed up in late 50s outfits you know they're dancing to 50s music there's greasers all the women have beautiful like bob haircuts. Yeah, I was wondering if I missed a thing that had like a time stamp of like oh, it's 1963 or something cuz No, it... I'm pretty sure this is just New Zealand 1993. Yeah, yeah, I think New Zealand just looks that way. Yeah. The light hole the uh, you the light um the light bulb lady is mine too. I just think it's like it's like so it's like so simple and so effective um that I just I love. It. In in the face of so much uh, so much in the face there's so much happening so it's like just a simple thing i love so it. i just checked though it does say under the wiki plot the first word is in 1957 oh so, so it is right. a period piece that it's makes a period it, piece. holy shit the fact <laughs> that i didn't know that after all these years this movie was one of the last movies that i finally conquered in my like senior year of high school because i was so I was like, this This is like the goriest movie. It's like a splatterfest. I was told, this was like the early days of the internet. There oh, weren't like, you know, a lot of. This box art held back nothing. I no. know. It, it, <laughs> the, the thing that, between this and Luther the Geek, so those were the last two horror movies that I watched due to my fear of the, the covers, right? Yeah. Um, and is it's because and it's weird because they're very similar shots on him in on the back of dead alive it's the guy who's getting his rib cage ripped out yep that 
fucked with me so bad as a child that I was like, nope, I don't want to watch this movie. And I, it took me until I was 18 to watch it finally. Then with Luther the Geek, it was the guy who had his chest all chewed up by Luther and his nasty metal yeah. teeth. So it's, 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 by I his bet. Invisalign. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> his, 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 his Visalign. His Visalign. Yeah, his Visalign. His, you know, it's so, Vizal- it's so funny Vizalign. because Kyle is just, he, I was like never going to pick Luther the Geek for the show. Kyle kind of just sold it for me. Yeah, there we <laughs> go. Well, so, you know, it's funny. Jonathan literally just sent me, I guess, one of the multiple Instagram pages that just post clips from movies posted a Luther yeah. the Geek one recently because he what? sent it to me. <laughs> Wow. I wanted to call out because you're telling your story of the VHS case. And this was one that scared me before I started watching horror movies for sure. Like this was Mm -hmm. one where I saw the front cover at the video store and was like, Mm -hmm. huh. And then I flipped it around and it was like, oh, God. But you have to remember that one of the first movies that made me get into horror films was watching Frighteners. And I think it was the second that I Mm -hmm. found out that the guy who made Frighteners made dead alive i was like let's fucking go so i think yeah. i watched this movie when i was like 12. Were i think me and my friends apart uh about so yeah 95 uh, 93 95 or is it 93 96. i'm 95 so 93 95. So two years was this is wow. was, was frighteners what he went to after doing this movie oh no 96 96 frighteners was 96 okay. so three years okay. split it was this heavenly creatures frighteners heavenly lord creatures. of the rings and i started watching the extended cut of fellowship of the rings last night when i couldn't sleep and i i watched about maybe 10 minutes fell asleep three hours later it's not over yet yeah but here's so here's the thing and, it, and it's Insane. worth celebrating because i don't think that we'll ever see peter jackson make another movie like this no but what i do appreciate about peter jackson and sam raimi is that they have taken themselves from these obscure at the time low budget splatter films into literally like Spielberg level directors where it's like when their film comes out it's a big deal they're they're, they're up there with a Steven Spielberg and a and a James Cameron but you can tell in even the most mainstream films that they make that their heart and soul still lies in their yeah. horror roots. So much so that apparently, I, I haven't watched this movie since it literally came out, but in his three-hour version of King Kong, there's literally a crate that says Sumerian Rat Monkey across the side of it when they're in a in, in a plane like he knows you just gotta you just gotta hold on to those things and yeah. like, i love so that beautiful. for him yeah, yeah i like love i do i fucking do i love that for yeah him. so let's uh, talk about the let's talk about this movie though because kicking it off i used to get it i used to get the cover confused with bullworth so oh um, uh, no, i mean I can... somebody coming out of a mouth <laughs> that is a... so i this this is actually only the second watch for me really i hey i didn't i couldn't do it like i've watched a lot of gross shit um, purposefully, and that first dinner sequence. Oh, the like, custard. The custard scene. It's. It's. I have a note that's like this is still the most fucking disgusting thing I've ever so watched for this show. It's so, so did you so hear? Foul. Did you hear that the New Zealand ratings board loved the movie so much and <laughs> thought that it was so playful that they wanted it to give it what would be the equivalency of a PG thirteen rating. But That's, like <laughs> they're crazy down there. They're then they fucking like, nuts. Well, also the movie made more money per screen than Batman Returns in New Zealand at the time that it came out. Like, wow, New Zealanders Good. fucking ate this shit up. Like, Good and that's them. why he was given <laughs> those bigger budgets to do stuff like, like it. Heavenly Creatures and 
and frighteners that that eventually proved that he could do Lord of the Rings, which is what I do think is so interesting about Peter Jackson and Wingnut Productions is that it he's a really good director. Yeah. He's got a great sense of humor in his writing, but the man is like super hands-on with his special effects too. Yeah. So you've got this dude who like all the way back in 1987 is like let's figure out how to make people vomit with like no money. And, and then was so successful at it. People were like, well, here's money. Can you make things that don't necessarily make people vomit? And he's like, yeah, let's figure it out. Like, yeah, we can do that. He's literally, I guess, as I'm, as I'm making all these comparisons, the person he's most comparable to is like a George Lucas. Like, you look at, like, what George Lucas did in 1977 mm-hmm. with the first Star Wars movie, and it's like, oh, well, if that's yeah. what he can do with almost, with a very low budget mm-hmm. as, like, a indie filmmaker, essentially, let's just keep tossing him money and see what he can do. Now, unfortunately, both of them have a similar trajectory of like they started to make bad movies. Wait, what? What are Peter Jackson's bad movies? I don't think King Kong is that great, and it certainly doesn't need to be three hours long. And I wasn't blown away by Lovely Bones either. Um, but oh, you've, I, those are neither of those have and, graced and, my eye holes. Yeah, <laughs> and the Hobbit movies are mostly unnecessary. Did he do those though? Or he did all that... three of the Hobbit oh. movies too. Yeah. So, I think that they were just like, here's a CGI fest. He's like, that's fine. <laughs> that's, I'll yeah, take the paycheck. Uh, I've yeah. talked about this on a couple podcasts before, but I am obsessed with this weird trait. Uh, I mean, timely because that 90s show will be on Netflix by the time this episode comes out. But Topher Grace has this obsession with re-editing things. Um, so he infamously... <laughs> yeah. He found a love for editing. So, like, he made the Topher Grace cut of the Star Wars prequels where he took all three movies and re-edited it down to an hour and 45-minute movie that just hits all the plot points. Oh, that's his? Yeah. I've heard about it. I didn't know it was Topher fucking Grace. Yeah, Topher Grace. But he also did (laughs) the definitive Hobbit where he's like, let's just get this down to the bare essentials and took those three movies and edited it down to, like, an under-two-hour movie that just follows exactly the book of the hobbit with no like divergence into like weird subplots i mean i guess doing the lord's work i yeah. don't i don't i, I think don't one of the other ones we i don't know, know which the, lord it is but we one of the other know. ones was that oh what what was that sound that was let's kill the pain <laughs> and look there's a there's a rat monkey riding a pill rocket love it um, love i have it. one too. it's a painkiller inspired sour what do you got i have head headhunter which um is because i was like I have to have a beer, and this is my favorite beer probably of all time. Nice. Um, and uh, because I had to have a beer because bread alive. Oh <laughs> God damn it! All right, so I mean we've been jumping Very all nice. around. Every yeah. I, you can, I doubt that someone subscribing to Horror Movie Night is watching, <laughs> listening to this episode with no knowledge of oh, the awful. movie, so we don't really have to cover any of the main bits. But I, there are parts I want to bring up. First of all. When I hit play on this movie, one of the things that I did not realize was still very fresh in my head was how quickly I remembered the theme music to the opening of this movie. Like, it's cheap. You're alone in that. It's like a cheap Casio keyboard mm-hmm. type song, but I was like, oh, I remember this song. Like, I, de- I definitely remember this. I, when I first bought this on VHS, accidentally bought the R-rated version of this movie, and I have never owned something more worthless. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, the way... I think the movie is literally loses like 20 something minutes of footage Holy like it God. is like 80 something minutes long on a movie that's an hour and 40 with like the gore cut out and i remember distinctly the opening scene this is why i wrote this down when he gets like kicked off the back of the truck mm-hmm. and they're like singaya or whatever there's yeah and then they, like, yeah. 
they bring up the the knife, it would just cut to like a very zoomed in of his face screaming every time that oh. it would normally cut to the limbs being cut off. And that was how the whole movie was edited. Like, let's just zoom in on someone's face yelling and not show even one second of blood or gore anywhere. It was it's a bad start. Oh my. <laughs> that's a bad. That's a bad start. If you know, if you have knowledge of what this movie's going to provide and offer you, it's a yeah. bad start. And I had seen the unrated. Like I had rented okay. the unrated yeah. and then bought the VHS at the store. Damn shame. And I, within like five minutes, I was like, I've made a mistake. And I like looked at the back of the box and saw the R and was like, Oh no, dude! I forget. I had not forget because I've like I said, I've only seen it twice. But when we talk about horror comedies, I feel like this isn't on the list often. Maybe no, I'm just not. like, I no, you're but right. It's, I, it's, it I think is, it's just too old. It's it's got to be too old. Like it's not in a horror comedy boom that people gravitate mm-hmm. towards to talk about. Well, it's also in and the like, early '90s, it, which is such a bad time mm-hmm. historically for horror. Like, yeah, people yeah. were yet, not seeing like, horror movies. We're literally doing. At least a month and a half, if not two full months of 1993 releases in a row. I hope oh, you guys noticed this. I, I, <laughs> I, did I would put money down in all honesty, Scott, oh, no. that if you were to look through our back catalog and pick oh. out the episodes that we liked the most, I think an overwhelming amount of them would be between 1990 and 1995. Like... Because I think it's movies. also because they, we didn't grow up with them and we're coming to them as adults, like with 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 fresh eyes. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I, I have I gone on the, the record like... that I love the '90s. I think that the '90s, the first we half know. of the '90s, has, I know, <laughs> shocker. But no, like '90s horror in general. Like I feel like there is the pre and the post scream, and I'm for mm-hmm. both of it. Like the mm-hmm. the pre scream is so weird and wacky, and then like the post scream world is so like. Every movie feels like a Dimension Films format that it's like you could put on a movie from 1998 that you've never seen in your entire life. But if you've watched like more than three movies that were inspired by Scream, it immediately feels like this nice, comfortable place that you've been a million times. So I'm all for it. Almost any 90s horror movie I have a, a soft spot for. Yeah. <laughs> and didn't we get two Metamorphosis movies in 1992? So yeah, I same mean, year. you gotta we, love the beginning of the 90s year. too. It's a great, it's a great place to start. I wonder what I do. Wonder what the um, the most talked about year like that we've had on on the show is. So I can to, find that out. That, that I was gonna say that, Scott's got a nice I'm Excel spreadsheet. Goddamn note. <laughs> that'd be nice stats. I love these yeah. stats. Um, but I just, I just, it's the fucking movie is so funny. And I think it's like it makes it especially funny because they they don't wait for a laugh. Like there's no like for me, I didn't notice myself sort of like being like, oh, they paused for the laugh. They do like not, no. they like they they're the pacing of the comedy is is perfect. It's fucking perfect. It's, uh, the the example that I want to, I'm sorry for no no, 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 no. I just I the the example of that that I think is fantastic is the Nazi vet. Yeah, it's there for no reason. Yeah, He's just like a a wacky character, and then he rips his the the sleeve of his his lab coat or whatever when he's grabbing the the tranquilizer, and you see his, like, you know, his swastika, and he goes, uh, like, he says something in the accent, and then it's the end. It's like, that's it. You don't see him again. 
it's 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 funny because it's so abrupt mm-hmm. and, well, and it's it that that pacing there the cuts are just so perfect yeah yeah no it is and it's not the same as like Brit- i don't know british comedy like you could say sort of does a similar thing but at the same time i feel like they're not as it's not as funny. <laughs> well, no, like, like they like take be, themselves way too seriously, even in a comedy setting. Yeah, that, it's like, definitely it's definitely a different type of humor. But I definitely think that New Zealand comedy definitely fits more into British comedy than American comedy. Still, yes, for sure, like, it's, it's, more, it's, it's more closely related. For yeah, sure. it's, they're more closely related. But like, here's a this is a prime example to me of like the the sense of what this movie was supposed to be, right? Like this movie was a comedy out the gate. That's what he was making. Yeah. And I, I read this story that I thought was really interesting, which was like, he wanted to make it for 6 million. He got half that. He got 3 million. And then he finished filming the movie and they still had budget left over. So they just, the scene with the baby in the park was shot after the fact, just because they had money to burn. <laughs> And it's like he had a couple extra thousand dollars to burn so that they could film some extra stuff. And he's like, let's do like a wacky slapstick. Let's do something outside, like minimal. Like he like it's fucking brilliant because like that truly is the cheapest thing you could do. And And he chose to do it. He didn't build. He didn't. And it's probably the most memorable. Like people, when they think about this movie, they're like, oh, the baby in the park scene is like what a lot of people. It's that or the the third scene. It's what my wife is going to think about because she's never seen and will never watch all of dead alive but i'm watching this on my work computer during lunch like two days ago and um not my work computer but on my other computer i wasn't eating lunch at the time i don't i I mean like i was on break my lunch break it was like 12 30 and i'm I'm working my way through dead alive and she walks by and she was like what the fuck is that zombie baby doing (laughs) like zombie baby was a question inside the question of what is that thing doing and i was like oh it is this movie called dead alive and it's supposed to be silly and it's like a zombie it's like a zom zom kitty or what i don't know what i had some nickname for it and she was like that looks fucking stupid and i said yeah (laughs) and and she's like that baby doesn't even that's just a person in a in a big onesie i'm like yeah. yeah. What has I, has she like, never seen Alf? <laughs> like this is. <laughs> it was just funny because it was. She is so hip to almost everything. Yeah. It was so refreshing to hear like a quote unquote normal person have like this flat reaction to what is. Like, I, I think I take Dead Alive for granted. You know, mm-hmm. how absurd this fucking movie is. And he puts the baby in a bag and he's like punching it in the fucking head. Right. And he punts it across the, the park. And, and, and Megan was like, sort of stopped dead in her tracks mm-hmm. because <laughs> she, was, she was transfixed by yeah. the stupidity. And I was like, it, it's supposed to be dumb. It's supposed to be dumb. Well, that, that's a good point. I feel like I do take it for granted too. Because like, watching it this time, this that first time disgusted me and I like was not, I like was totally turned off from it. But like now I'm like, oh, I've seen a lot of shit now in my time that is, I don't know, like just not fun. That's the thing. <laughs> you know? this, this was, for a long period of time, this was considered the goriest movie ever made. I feel like it still hasn't been topped, but maybe it has. But the big I mean, difference are, what's the what's the quantifier for that? Is it is it gallons? Well, this of is qual like this is quality and quantity, and I think yeah. that like there is a there's well, some sort of hybrid s- that's yeah. But this also hits that beat that trauma cracked so quickly, which is like 
at a certain point, gore just becomes funny. Like when there's just so much of it, it becomes funny. So it's like lean into it. And that's like, you know, you get something like uh, the opening scene of Terror, or terror yeah, terror Firmer, terror Firmer. where yeah. someone rips off someone's leg and it's like literally a, a fire hose of blood is like spraying out of the stump and it's just it's so much blood that it becomes like a three stooges bit more than like something that's actually horrifying and now we're leaning into this thing where i don't want to i don't want to keep taking shots at the same fucking movie every single oh, time oh no here but, it comes but then you've got something like terrifier where the gore yep. is presented in a way where it's like we want to make sure that every person has a vomit bag beside them while watching and i'm like that's not fun to me like no, this is no, it, fun it's to just me. it's it's edgy it's too yeah. like you know it's it's self-aware but it's trying to offend whereas yeah. like and i'm not saying that dead alive wasn't trying to offend in some way as well no, like I sensibilities mean, it's, got, it's 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 very lighthearted though like yeah. i get yeah, i, I get that the charmingness of it yeah yes. and i get why like i think what's interesting about that story where like the people in new zealand wanted to give it a pg-13 makes sense to me because you have to think that like everywhere else is less oppressed than america with their rating system we were started with fucking puritans yeah. like it's of course <laughs> but it's like they looked at this and they're like yeah this is bloody as hell but like who could ever take this seriously Right. And, like, and there's yeah. no real boobs in this movie. Yeah. There's no so. real like scares. Like, no, it wasn't like there was. You know, like there's no. Everything's like every person and everything is there and presented as there. Like there's very few scares, except maybe the big mama monster at the end. Like sort of like the illusion or the leading yeah. up to that. But it's like, but that is. That's really goosebumps level shit. I mean, we're watching like it, we're watching the hands come out of the dark, yeah. and it's like I mean, it's it, that's the scariest thing. Quote yeah, unquote, I just you know? there's so much I like about this movie. Also, in the sense of you are like I, I don't think I ever truly realized this until this watching, or maybe I realized it when I was 20 and then forgot because I didn't watch it for 17 something years. Yeah. But like in my mind, I was always like, yeah, this movie's got a ton of great practical effects, and there's a claymation monkey. <laughs> but it's like, man, they employ puppetry in this. They employ Every, a lot of claymation. They everything. employ a lot of stop motion, like miniatures, miniatures, like, reverse shots, like all of the stuff with the intestines. The yeah, the intestines. I didn't notice that the miniature of the the giant, um, of the giant mom going up the stairs until this oh. watch. Yeah, and like yeah, so forced good. perspective and miniature so shit. Yeah, like yeah. it was so they, good. They, it's it's super impressive what they did. It the, is. the only other thing that I have written down that I want us to t discuss is like we did mention the dinner and the custard scene, which is super effectively gross, but like grosser than the second dinner scene, which has all the zombie. Like it's somehow oh, oh, like when that. they're eating eggs. It's yeah. always yeah. got to be something it's like something yellow gooey and nasty and. Yeah. and God. Yeah, it's and also that's not how you eat. Like, no, I've never don't seen cook your eggs, eggs like, like that. that. I know they're zombies or whatever, but, but they yeah. deserve please to be make treated them with respect. They deserve <laughs> but, eggs but, yeah. for the also, love of God. Cook those eggs a little bit more. Those a little funny ass more. eggs. But there are so many gross scenes that, or, or moments that are like, oh, that does make me feel a certain way. And like the two that I wrote down that I think are kind of unexpected because people always jump to the custard scene. That custard scene is vile. Can't do but it, yeah. like. The embalming scene where like 
all of the orifices explode like i'm like that's pretty gross and then the gurgling sound anytime the nurse's head is off is like Ah, so i love the nurse's design the the, the nurse loose head that scene is great when he's just trying to like basically wrangle her into the basement (laughs) and there was no mechanism on utilized by having yes. this like almost severed head nurse like every thing that you could have thought <laughs> to happen from feeding to gurgle like to all of it yeah. happened it literally it was all so happened. fucking funny and just in keeping with last week's episode when we did children of the night this is another movie where dear lord does peter jackson pick some weird camera angles but it totally works and makes sense in this and like the Mm -hmm. two actually the two biggest examples i can think of both involve the uncle one is a low angle shot that cuts off right at his belt buckle while he takes a piss like (laughs) just the most bizarre angle that you could do that scene at and then arguably one of my favorite sequences is just this bizarre scene of him holding two knives the in knives the kitchen. The knives is fast forward or whatever. Yes. <laughs> that's, what, that's, that's iconic. I want the Benny Hill theme yeah. like, to just start playing. Like, yeah. It just it's, made fucking sense. I feel like that. When I think about this movie, even before rewatching it after a decade or whatnot. You think of that scene? I yeah. think of that scene because it is so weird yeah well they're like like superheroes their ability to not get bitten throughout this party while they're like i can tell you why though is amazing because it's magic because he's magic (laughs) and and that's what makes this movie so much fun i don't like zombies so i had my zombie craze in college when like fast zombies like 2003 man only 10 years between this movie and 28 days later wow but fast zombies hit and i was obsessed with the concept i would have nightmares about getting eaten by zombies four or five times a week um it was just this whole thing but like i definitely you know it was it was way too much it was i just i I overdosed on zombies um and just didn't get didn't go to it anymore but that's why the enduring movie zombie movies that i can still enjoy now are not contagion movies because yeah. contagion movies are not fun. They're too fucking real. I mean, especially in 2023 after what we went through three years ago and yeah. you know all that and and still continue to go through. But like this is all magic, and so it doesn't matter if they get goop in their mouth. And it's funny if they get goop in their mouth. And then they he kisses Paquita's head, and like a line of goo comes off yeah. of his mouth. I mean, Dude, like he they're, they're is fun little things. He's going to be in, a creature feature, right? Yeah, he's going to be a creature feature. <gasps> he is, That's right. It's his Fuck third yeah. ever convention. His oh first in the United States. And we're going to be there, folks. We're going to fucking On March be there. Sun, 17th to the 19th in beautiful historical Gettysburg. Come and check out Horror Movie Night. More information to come. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come, baby, come, and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. Hello, everyone. We're Superhero Stuff You Should Know. And if you think you know about superheroes and comic books, 
think again. We got romance. We got action. Romance. We got comedy. We got everything you need, man. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know for all your superhero needs. Uh, ro- I, I don't know about this romance. What part are you talking about? We've got all kinds of sketches and then deep dives on top of that. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know. <laughs> all right. So come on down to... Su- Wait, why did I say come on down? To superhero stuff you should know. It is mind-blowing and heartbreaking how many original scripts are written every year but are never made. So we seek out these scripts and bring them to life with full audio production and professional actors. Check us out at Undiscover Scripts. Movies made of paper. Wherever you get your podcasts. Free! All right, Scott, you got a question for me? I do. After picking this magic piece of cinema, how would you continue the night? I'm going to pick... A contemporary film. I'm going to pick another film that celebrates its 30-year anniversary this year. It is also a film similar to Dead Alive that represents kind of the last dabble in horror for a while for a uh, infamous splattertastic director of the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, and I'm going to go with Army of Darkness. Um, I feel like Peter Jackson Fair. and Sam Raimi, they're just hand in hand. 1993, they're both putting out what would kind of be the last true like gore hound movie for them. And and I mean, talk about a movie that could have been PG 13, like army of darkness. Oh, is tame as hell. I, I actually think that it's, I, are you trying to tell me that it's not PG 13? It's an R rated movie. Yeah. It, I never knew that. But, I always thought of it as PG 13, but it, I mean that, that kind of from that point on, you know, Peter Jackson goes and makes heavenly creatures and Sam Raimi makes, I think a simple plan. He'd do anything. Yeah, like I'm you, a dick. I'm a dick. God damn it! Oh, but yes, sorry. They they, they <laughs> wrong, go and they go in there. They they start to like work their way through doing like more classically like oh these are films that could play at festivals and these are films that could get. Uh, I think both of their films after these, I had to do the research, but I'm pretty sure if if a simple plan was the movie he did after Army of Darkness and Heavenly Creatures was the film that he did. Uh, that Peter Jackson did after Dead Alive, that both of them literally followed up their movies with films that were nominated for Oscars. So, like, like, it's it's a crazy... I mean, I I think that that's also just, like, kind of a little dream success story that, like, you and your Mm -hmm. friends can make the most absurd shit that you one and then you can get to a point like Sam Raimi where he's like oh I'm only going to make maybe one movie a decade now because (laughs) I don't have to (laughs) it is the dream at some point you want to not do your art anymore except for when you want to do it yeah or get paid for it yeah you don't want to no one I I think that certain people I don't even think certain people I think any director that you ask it's like all right do you want to still be doing this when you're 60 the answer would be like yeah sure but it'd be like, do you want to be having to do like commercials and all of like the shit that you did out of college no. to stay afloat? It's like absolutely fucking not. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 thank you. Kyle, what about you? I'm catching you while you're drinking. Yeah, yeah, I have two. Um, Hit us. I think I'm gonna do. I think I'm gonna go with the gate. Ooh, that's um, an interesting pick. And I, I would actually, I would probably put the gate first, dead alive second. Yeah, uh, just to, I just think, I just think the gate has a lot of fun effect stuff too. Mm-hmm. I mean, dead alive. I mean, the thing that, the thing that you'd said, and I had thought about this before. Obviously, I picked this one before, but the thing that you said about New Zealand trying to make it a PG thirteen movie, I was like, you know, the gate is this sort of like for kids, not for kids horror mm-hmm. that just and. 
again with the special effects and stuff that they that they utilize and and lean on i just i just think it'll be it would just be a really fun night yeah it's a good t- i could i, I, like I could get down with that mm-hmm. I and i would thing. go with um from dusk till dawn because they are so similar in the amount of of blood used but yeah. not that's not the reason the reason is because when uh lionel beats somebody with their own limb yeah i think there's a, or he's using a limb to do something um he grabs an arm like, to start the lawnmower that's right thank you um <laughs> I, all i could think about was the uh the limb guitar that the one mariachi guy in the mariachi band yes. uh, i was like trying to rack my brain beautiful craft movies yes what what uh, the, uh, that's what you like to call tone wood <laughs> but um i was trying to think of all the movies because it's kind of a trope right of of someone getting beaten with their own limb but that's the first thing that came to mind and i was like that would hit the spot all right matt what have you what do you want to share with us this week so hbo i, I saw that this was on hbo max i'd heard mostly good things about it i've heard a couple people disagree with this uh the night house was added to oh. hbo max so i gave it a watch that, um i think Bruckner's it's good for yeah like from uh, like a year ago yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. it's 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 fine. Wait, like, is it's, that it's, the one where it's like they they find the 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 schematics for their house, but it's a different house, and then it's like question about what's real or something like that. It's sort of like that. So so the short version of the movie is that uh, this woman's husband kills himself, and she keeps hearing his voice in the house and stuff like that and then when she goes out into the woods because she lives kind of off the grid in like this nice wooded area um she finds literally a duplication that's right of her house in the woods and it kind of unlocks like was he cheating on her like what was did he have any of these dark secrets and it's actually a fun it's like a fun kind of like low energy low stakes like pseudo ghost movie for the most part my biggest problem was like I had to read the wiki page to understand what I had seen <laughs> in the last like yeah. 10 minutes of the movie. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of like kind of like underwhelming in comparison to to the rest of the movie. It's definitely not something that would ever fit our show because it's basically like a mostly good movie that's like not really bombastic, not really ridiculous. And then it just kind of has this like I wouldn't even say a dud of an ending, but just like a uh kind of ending to tie it all up but i mean if you're if you're into stuff like that like give it a watch like it's not it's not a bad way to kill 90 minutes so that it's a very lukewarm review it's not it's never going to be on like my top list of anything but i don't hate that i watched uh, it. i'm about a decade late on this one but i watched the master paul thomas anderson's the master okay that's one of the only pta ones i haven't seen was that and phantom thread is this uh recommended yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, I mean, unreal performances by Joaquin Phoenix and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, Amy Adams is in it. She's 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 great, but like per, clearly her character doesn't have a, a ton in this story. But fucking beautiful. I think it's shot on uh, sixty-five or seventy millimeter, and like every shot is a goddamn painting. Like yeah. every and and I mean, which is which is PTA's whole vibe <laughs> anyway. You know what I mean? Like, uh, especially once he gets the the budget and the scale. Um, and uh, I mean, really fascinating. I mean, especially if I mean, I have uh, an interest in 
Scientology as a Scientologist. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, but just like the the whole, uh, particularly like the psychology behind it all, and like sort of where it comes from, and then like this. I don't know. It's just it's just uh, just really really good. Not that you needed me to tell you that. Um, yeah. But it, I just I was I was I just we watched so much shit. Me particularly. Yeah. Like, but I mean, I, I, we just. I oftentimes don't pick a great movie to watch, right? Like I, I just especially like comfort food, like you know, just sort of like wind down stuff. And Carly and I were like, let's just watch something good. And um, man, it was fucking good. And it just, it just, it just reinvigorated a, a thing in me, uh, filmmaking wise, that I was very appreciative of too. So yeah, I um, love that. So I just have two things. One is um, I'm going to start with the thing I didn't like, um, and then I'm going to end with the thing I did like. And real quick, uh, there's a movie that I want to say HBO Max suggested to me or Hulu. It doesn't fucking matter. It's called The Seller, and it's from maybe 2021. Okay, it stars Alicia Cuthbert. And she's this, I did not recognize her. It was wild. This movie was one of those, it was a blind watch. It just came up and it seemed interesting. I was like, this has given me a hole in the ground kind of vibe. It might be fun. The concept is that this woman purchases a house uh, in Ireland um, and they move in. And then the cellar is like bigger than it seems. Um, And I was all about it. it seems real fucking cool because there was like this idea of Freemasonry and or like occult stuff to it. And then it got super weirdly Christian. Um, and I mean that in that they started doing like some lesser keys of Solomon research, like into demons and demonology. And then they stopped and they were just like, oh, it. this is knowledge bad you know jesus good uh it was is how it mm-hmm. felt and and it was a real fucking bummer because they it, it's like all the goodwill that they built in the first two segments of the movie kind of got pissed away in the third act and um it looked good it had a uh, it had a cool concept it just got real dumb there were cool ways that they could have done it um i don't know who was responsible for it but i was pretty upset but i did finish um uh wednesday which I know it, this. It's old by the time this came out. Uh, comes out. Um, Megan and I watched it and loved it. I think that it deserves all the praise it got. I think that it's, um, it's just it's a great return of form for Tim Burton. And I finished Midnight Club, which I feel like when uh, Flanagan got released from Netflix. Um, he just told us what the second season was going to be <laughs> in a because very then I'd long, have to wait went, two years. Yeah, he missed no details. He was just like, yeah. "All right, here's everything that would have happened if I didn't get if this show didn't get canceled." Which I'm I'm still about to see what happens off after the cliffhanger of Clone High USA twenty yeah. years later because HBO Max just renewed it twenty years yeah. after the fact. Yeah, just it's. <laughs> Things, things, things happen. that way. Yeah. You come back. I mean, he shouldn't have spoiled it on Twitter, but you know, Twitter's not going to be here forever. So no, Twitter might not be here by the time this episode yeah, comes out. No the Ray things have been going. Don't <laughs> tease me. <laughs> My only criticism, and it's light criticism, is that it, it wasn't out there enough. It felt a little safe, um, but that's fine. Yeah. It was for the masses. That's it. I I also, and this is something that I've I've had an argument with the Binge Town kids about, and it stems all the way back to 
me loving Bly Manor and them feeling lukewarm towards mm-hmm. it. And they felt lukewarm towards Midnight Club as well. But I think that Mike, and I may have, I think I cut this from last week's episode because we talked a little bit about Mike Flanagan there. But mm-hmm. I think Mike Flanagan doesn't really give a shit if you want him to make a horror thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like I think. He, stories. Yeah, like he likes horror and he likes using horror. But especially if you sit down and read that like Tumblr slash Twitter post that he made explaining everything, like there's very little to no supernatural yeah. in this. But I think that that's what makes it beautiful is that it's the the horror of the thing is that these kids are going to die. There's nothing that's going to stop that from happening. They have a terminal disease and it's more of like this beautiful exploration of like, how do you come to terms with that when you just know that you have a very finite expiration date coming up? Like it's, I, I, I would have loved to have seen a lot of the stuff that's described in that Twitter post. On the page, it doesn't hit me, but I'm willing to bet that if I had seen on the screen, I would have teared up at certain points. Well, especially if, <laughs> and especially if I feel like if Flanagan, he's really, really good about existential stuff. Better like, than most, I would say. Yeah, it's hard yeah, to yeah, get yeah. existential ideas emotionally across. He's really good at just like <laughs> the supernatural realm being as connected to the human realm as it could be. So yeah. existentialism, uh, existential stuff is like that. You know, it's like he rides that line. I mean, Doctor Sleep is, like, is another yeah. great example mm-hmm. of that too. Yeah. So I it's think, like I think that that's why to see him... that in a teen world yeah. is like. I, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a, such a big fear. Yeah, I think that's why him and Frank Darabont have become so good at adapting Stephen King stuff because I think yeah. Stephen King is another person who kind of doesn't give a fuck if you want him to write horror. <laughs> like he's going to write what he wants to write and I think that those are like two of the best directors of getting the idea of like sometimes a horror story isn't really a horror story. Like it's a people's story that horror stuff happens around them. And like you cuz you see that as much as we shout a lot of praise to the 90s the 90s Stephen King adaptations do not even a little bit get what Stephen King stories are actually about. They're yeah. just like, it's about the horror and that's it. And it's like, that's not like, like his best books are usually about the people and how they react to these out, uh, otherworldly events that are happening to them. This is coming from one of the biggest graveyard shit fans in the world. <laughs> like, so, sometimes you just, sometimes you do just want to see a giant bat monster. But I, I understand why Stephen King maybe was like, that's not exactly what. My book <laughs> All right. Well, that was Dead Alive. Happy thirty years, Dead Alive. You did it. Great work. Uh, and we will be here next week, I guess, to talk about another movie that celebrates another thirtieth anniversary. <laughs> Of equal, if not greater importance. Very important. (laughs) Next week on Horror Movie Night. Do you like to laugh? geek out on music and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? 
As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come, baby, come, and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. Hello, everyone. We're Superhero Stuff You Should Know. And if you think you know about superheroes and comic books, think again. We got romance. We got action. Romance. We got comedy. We got everything you need, man. Come on down to Superhero Stuff You Should Know for all your superhero needs. Uh, ro- I, I don't know about this romance. What part are you talking about? We've got all kinds of sketches. And then deep dives on top of that. Come on down to Superhero Stuff You Should Know. <laughs> all right. So come on down to... Su- Wait, why did I say come on down? To Superhero Stuff You Should Know. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 